Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, brought to you tonight, guys, by Hotels.com. Don't get jealous of other people's trips and plans. Make your own. Uh, use Hotels.com. Get rewarded. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded, as I said, with Hotels.com, the Himalaya podcast app. Uh, if you're looking for something different, I highly suggest them. They're uh, compatible Google. Apple as well. Uh, go there, find them, obviously download it. Uh, you're allowed to have a little more inter- interaction with every episode. You can comment on every episode if you want to, uh, you know, the like feature. Uh, one of the things I do like about Himalaya is shows that you subscribe to, they start to give you the TiVo effect where they suggest shows that may also interest you or pique your interest. So check out Himalaya either on Google or on Apple iTunes. Uh, joining us here this evening, Samantha Button. And it's been a while, and a lot of changes have happened, and we tried to get this a little earlier, but uh, it was apparently monsoon season here recently on the East Coast. Uh, and it's just been difficult to, you know, guarantee power and Internet. But the wonderful Samantha Button. Samantha, how are you? Doing okay. Happy to be here. How are you, Jeff? Uh, like I was telling you, look, we're just, I'm just trying to get to the finish line in the school year. You know, Mrs. Lloyd went back to work full-time in the high school here in March, and everybody's on different schedules. At least the kids next year will be in the same school. It's nuts right now. It is absolutely nuts, Samantha. But come Wednesday, June 19th, the plug is pulled. There's no school for the three of them. Go enjoy your summer, and let me just go back to being the guy who just goes to work every day. Well, Sam, we're going to talk some Browns here, and obviously maybe this is going to be fun because I know the Indians, obviously a nice weekend, and thanks for you know aggravating the Yankees as my Mets go in there to play them twice. I appreciate that for all you Cleveland Indians fans. But uh, Browns-wise, uh, Sam, we talked at the end of the year, and we had a lot of promise. We were excited. Um, but I don't think any of us were quite ready for what came across this offseason. Oh, absolutely not. We expected them to be active on the free agent market, certainly on the trade market as well, but I, I certainly didn't see this coming. Um, I think it started with, I guess, Sheldon Richardson was the first sort of big dime to drop, um, and that sort of felt like, okay, okay, this makes a lot of sense, this makes a lot of sense, and then they just kept moving and moving and moving and moving, so super exciting stuff. Um, I think they did a really nice job. I think that they were active in the way that we wanted them to be, and even above and beyond that, in terms of I certainly hadn't envisioned Odell Beckham certainly becoming a Brown this offseason. So, yeah, um, super exciting after many, many seasons, of course, of sitting on a lot of cap money and, and not doing much and kind of telling everybody that they had to be patient, they had to wait, and not knowing if they were really going to pull the trigger, and oh boy, did they. <laughs> No doubt about it. And, and so far, and look, you know, once the mini camps, everything seemed to die down. But uh, Sam, like you, obviously on the East Coast, to me, like the East Coast, I don't think people truly understand how the lightning rod that Beckham is on the field, obviously, and off the field. But it just seems so much that people want to use the Odell Beckham Jr. off the field as a negative slight. And it, it was driving me crazy because basically for the first month or six weeks, he was a Cleveland Brown. It was essentially, oh boy, here we go again. This guy is in year six of his career. And just because he's a little bit different, because he's young, and most of it is probably a little jealousy because he makes a bazillion dollars doing something he's really good at, people do not know how to pigeonhole him, so they usually find a way to discredit him. 
Yeah, I think that anytime somebody has a, let's say, big personality off the field, and, and I'm talking here about somebody like, you know, not somebody who has truly, I think, been a problem off the field, but somebody who is just a, kind of a larger-than-life personality. And you mean like hanging out with a, Kardashians? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll call that inadvisable but acceptable. Um, but, but, yeah, you know, and this is a guy who I think we know more about him than we do perhaps about other players who might be of a similar personality type because he was previously playing in a major media market and now he is in Cleveland. So, of course, we're all following that very closely. But I, I hate this kind of media coverage. I hate this kind of approach by fans, this whole idea of, well, this guy's a lot. So I need to make him into something that is a negative. And it's, most of it just doesn't hold water. And it's turned into this big thing. And, of course, we have conspiracy theorists abound, as we always do. And that's true not just in the Cleveland market, but pretty much in any sports market. But there's always somebody who, oh, he didn't show up at OTAs. Oh, he doesn't want to play for the Browns. That's been a very popular one. And it's just absolutely ridiculous. And why? Why? Because the guy wears, like, shiny shoes and, you know, some reality TV stars. It's really not a big deal. It doesn't have anything to do with the product on the field. The Giants incredibly dysfunctional organization during most of his time there, quite frankly. So to kind of pin that all on Odell and, and to put that together with the fact that he is somewhat of a, I guess we'll call him a celebrity, at least by athlete standards, and turn that into something negative is really disappointing to me that people continue to try to go down that path. And it's and it's and the thing is, is you're not giving him a chance to show you who he truly is, and that's kind of what the whole point of a player moving on from one organization to another. And the thing that drove you crazy with it you know, when he was a New York Giant was when you were talking about the on-field product and who was getting it done and who wasn't. That was never the case with him, and it was almost to the point now. Well, you know, and and this is what I love, where Bill Belichick said, "Well, we got too many camp practices left." Ah. Scrap them. We're not even going to do it. And so everybody who was making much ado about OTAs, at least he was there for every minicamp where, you know, Bill Belichick said, you know what? Eh, we're good. We're good. And it's just funny how it, it continues to spiral and everything's okay unless a certain guy is involved with it. Obviously, Odell Beckham. And I think the thing, though, that nobody is truly understanding is is once you bring a superstar lightning rod all this skill guys around here that we were all starting to fall in love with last year, they, everybody stepped up and started to grow as players. Now their jobs collectively to the man are going to be that much easier because everybody's focus, obviously, like it is whether it's on the field or off the field, is always on number 13. Well, that's right, and he's going to be a guy who is going to make everybody around him better, and anybody who doesn't get better in his presence, that's going to be on them and I just this off-field stuff because everything that you hear about him about what he does for a team about what his work ethic is like about what kind of a teammate he is has been positive and I know there was that unfortunate incident media last year where he kind of de facto threw Eli under the bus and I think that was mostly about frustration with the way that the organization was functioning and probably just a little bit of uh, wish I could have that one back sort of thing, I, I'm sure from a girl's perspective, but really, you know, everything that we hear about him suggests that he is a hard worker, he is not a guy who gets himself into trouble, so to kind of, it just feels a little bit like silly to try to spoil that, when, as, you, as you said, it's not just about getting Odell and having Odell the individual as part of the team, it's about what he does for everybody, and that includes Baker as well, it includes the run game, it's 
technically includes the defense and the coaching staff as well. Get a guy like that, makes everyone around him perform better, makes other people want to be better too, because he's setting the standard. It's a good thing for everyone. Uh, now, Freddie Kitchens, at the time, I'm pretty sure we, we spoke probably right as the regular season ended up. Or I, I'm, even It doesn't matter. Um, but your impressions uh, of Freddie to this point, you know, everybody thought he was kind of like this happy Joe Vial. You'd want him at your barbecue. You'd want him around your bonfire, you know, for drinks and fun. What are your thoughts? What are you taking away so far as the way Freddie is, you know, seems to be moving in as far as obviously talking with the media and things of that stuff? I think a lot of it's a put on, um, which is a good thing. I sort of think of Freddie as like the detective Columbo of football coaches. You know, oh, shucks, I'm just a guy, you know, puts on that accent real heavily, jokes around. He's a nice, affable guy. It's a great way to get people to underestimate you and to get them to, I guess, be less curious about the inner workings of what you're doing because either they are entertained by you and they're busy liking you so they're not worrying about it or they're writing you off as like the yokel who, oh, well, you know, he's on the big stage now, he's going to fail. And I think that Freddie is very conscious of that and has kind of played that up a little bit. But when it comes down to brass checks, I think he's got the chops for it. And I'm remembering now, as, as you kind of brought up there, when the last time we talked to us, because I think it was during the coaching search, and you and I had talked about how we felt like Freddie was probably the right choice of the candidates that were there, and he did go on to get the job. I think it was stand by that decision to this day. It's, it's kind of playing with house money to an extent, because he was already an internal candidate, probably needed somebody transitional. If it doesn't work out, I'm not sure it's that big of a loss, but I like Freddie. I, I think he's a person who's going to be underestimated, and I think that that's a good thing. Yeah, and I, I, I do think the, and you brought up a great point with the, where he can turn it on to make himself, you know, with the local, the lo, or the also the, the country bumpkin, and it, I think that's, mm-hmm. I always went back to the Carolina game last year, and that's kind of where I thought maybe he kind of either won himself this job or made him a serious candidate we're early in the week and he's like well you better watch out baker because you know if you don't know the calls luke keekley's going to make them for you and then he came out with the 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 counter plays with jarvis landry obviously one scored a touchdown early one sealed the game later in the game and was like you mentioned luke keekley this week spoke highly of him spoke him up almost kind of like major rookie quarterback sound like and then the two the, the key kate play call you had in the game was to was at Luke Keekley and it was just like whoa look what this guy sold us this guy you know I mean it was just perfect the way he did it and so I do think there's always going to have to be a you know I think people are going to have to listen to what he says and opponents are well does he mean it or doesn't he mean it is he is he playing the game here or is this real and look that's just another thing that's going to make it even more difficult to deal with this team, you know, as we go on further here. Um, I do want to thank uh, the good folks over at Untucket for their sponsorship of Locked On Browns. Dads come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts, like tall, short, slim, relaxed. Ever wonder why your father's button-up looks so long and baggy at the end of the day? It can be very difficult for guys to pull off a casual, untucked look that isn't sloppy. That's where Untucket comes in. Untucket is the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great, untucked, and feel comfortable at work or on the weekends, at the soccer fields, baseball fields, at the barbecues, whatever. No tucking or tailing required. Go to untucket.com, promo code NFL, to get 20% off. 
Samantha, this one just doesn't seem to die. And obviously you who've been, you know, obviously followed this team, you know, obviously almost your entire life. How, is there any saving grace now with Duke Johnson or is it just best for both parties to say, look, we've never found a way for this to work with you. You are not happy now in your fifth year as a member of the Cleveland Browns. Is it best for everybody involved here? Is it time for a break? It probably is. It makes me sad because I like Duke and I know this is kind of an unpopular opinion around Cleveland, but I actually think it's really more the Browns who made the year than Duke, uh, but a lot of that has to do with the way I feel about the Kareem Hunt situation. And if you look back at Duke's career, about his time in Cleveland, he was sort of misused and then underused, and it, it just starting to feel a little bit like a bad fit. He's clearly unhappy. I understand why he's unhappy. I also understand why the Browns kind of feel like, you know what, and, and we heard what Baker said, and Baker is most of the time, I, I like that he is vocal about these things. I, I thought this was a, a step too far, that sort of unsettled yep. dig at Duke, but it's, I think it's an indicator that the team has moved on, whether they have officially moved on or not. And Duke clearly wants to, so why, I mean, we, we saw it with the Steelers. I, do you want that situation in your house? You want a guy around who clearly doesn't want to be there. I, I don't think that you do, and yes, I know it lessens his trade value if he has announced to the world that he wants to be traded, but what were you really getting back for him anyway? I just think it's maybe time for them to go their separate ways. And it's oh, it's, it's always been this thing, he, he, you know, and it's a relationship where it's you know, it seemed like Duke was giving more than the partner in the relationship was. You know, now last year, uh, you know, obviously, you know, they signed Carlos Hyde, they draft Nick Chubb, and here's Duke. Uh, well, maybe this, uh, I'm not going to get my role. All right, this isn't going to be my year. And then in June. Hey, here's a brand new contract extension, three years, $17 million. You're now the highest paid running back on our roster. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's almost, you know, I, I, yeah, I hate to use this term, but it was almost like the, like the battered part of a relationship. It's like, you no, know, I haven't been thinking about you. I haven't been being good to you. But here, here's a lovely gift now. And then we go into the 2018 season, and Duke touched the ball less than he has ever touched it in any of his career with the Cleveland Browns. So I think for him, it's, look, you're never giving me a straight answer after now five years on this roster of where I belong. And, you know, and, and there's still some that don't get it. Guys, he was on the market well before he said, okay, trade me. It was more of a, look, if you're going to trade me, then yes, I, I guess I'd like to be traded. And then in this offseason, you, what do you do? The first opportunity you get, you, you bring Kareem Hunt in. So now here's Duke third on the depth chart and still making more money than anybody in the running back room. So, you know, and your agents say, well, look at it, you know, it doesn't seem good here for you. You make the most money out of all these guys at this position, but you're also the last in the pecking order. So it's just a continued, you know, mixed signals, smoke signals that they send to him. And look, at the end of the day, it doesn't, these guys all sure they love their money, but they want to play football. They actually want to be on the field and be part of it. Oh, yeah, I think that, Yes, of course they want to get paid, and, and they should. They should. They have a very dangerous job, and they're elite at it. They should want to get paid. But it's also really important to them that I, I think that most of these guys, I'd say probably 99% of them, want to earn that money. And what this was is I think your analogy was a, a very apt one. You talk about he's, it's like the guy who keeps saying, yeah, I'm going to marry you someday to the longtime girlfriend, right? And over and over every year, maybe next summer we'll get engaged. But of course, eventually we're going to get engaged. Never does it, never does it, never does it. She starts getting fed up. So then, you know, hands of the box and it's 
well, it's a lovely diamond necklace, but it's not an engagement ring, right? I'm not in this for the long haul. And I think that Duke read the writing on the wall and went, you know what? Like, I don't want to be, and especially for a running back in today's game where you have a very short shelf life and your, I guess, perceived usage just drops and drops and drops. The older you get, the more you, he doesn't want to spend, I guess, all of his good years as sort of a halftime player. And I don't blame him. And, and I think it's fine for the Browns, too. You know, if, if he's not what they want, then everyone should just move on. Better for everyone involved. Yeah, and and look, and you know, the, and the thing is, and the worst part is, is it's you know, if, if there was some reason to it, and it was, well, you want to know what? There were times where we needed you, and you couldn't play because of this, or you couldn't play because of that. But uh, Duke's got a Cal Ripken, sixty-four out of sixty-four, going under his belt. He's answered the bell week in, week out. So it's kind of like, look, I've done everything, and in the relationship aspect of it, there's others who want me. So why don't I get to go somewhere where I'm wanted? And that was the point that Pete always brings up is, you know, he wants to be wanted. So there are other organizations. Uh, everybody loves to use two to three running backs nowadays. If that's not what the Browns want to do, that's fine. But uh, And there is the rabbit hole for the Browns. Well, we don't really have a number two running back for the first eight weeks of the season because one of the reasons we upset Duke Johnson is to acquire a guy who's going to be suspended for the eight, first eight games of the season which just, it, it makes for a bad match. And I, I don't believe there's a way this can be fixed now. And it's not even giving Duke more money. It's literally letting the guy be a part of this team and play, which I don't think at this point is going to happen. Um, defensively, Samantha, um, we've talked about this at times. You know, it was, it was great to have Miles Garrett. It was great to have Larry Ogunjobi. And there were some good players. But what this defense needed was layers of talented players and i think we've gotten closer to achieving that yeah i think so too i mean just to to kind of put it in perspective or at least the way that that i looked at it was when they were trying to get gerald mccoy obviously i wanted that to happen very badly was disappointed when it didn't but at the same time you're thinking well do we really need him i mean and the answer is yes of course you need him you always need more good players right The, the more the merrier but to be in a position where you're sitting there thinking, well, but we have what we need, essentially. This would be, I don't want to say gilding the lily, because certainly it would be valuable to have him, but to just get into a position, which we haven't been in since I was like, I don't know, six or seven or something with the Browns, where you feel like there wasn't a hole that needed to be plugged, that losing a player in free agency who, who didn't want to come to you doesn't leave you with a gaping hole. And we had the, the linebacking core was a problem before but I think they've done a pretty decent job of shoring that up it was addressed in the draft obviously we don't know especially with sort of mid to late round picks coming in there how useful those guys are going to be but it was sort of the last holdover for me that and I guess safety depth where I was really nervous sort of about who's going to be in that starting 11 can we count on those people and then sort of coming down a peg that well do we really have enough to satisfy the, the kinds of rotations that we're going to need to make here to keep everybody fresh. And I, I'm starting to feel like probably, yeah, I, I think they're there, which is really incredible considering that last season they were definitely on the path to that. But I still felt like they had a way to go to achieve that. Yeah, and it was actually funny, and, and I love when Sheldon got to his, you know his time with the media last week, and he's like, well, mm-hmm. I guess you can blame me that he's not here. 
and um, <laughs> and, and obviously, you know, you, you know, you with being in this area, uh, the thing with Sheldon Richardson, he's a really good player. Um, you never want your kids in the car with him, obviously. Um, but you've seen some growth over the years, and he's talked about himself. Look, I'm a little bit different now. Uh, you know, I've got a child, but it's it, it's fun to just think about where you've now. You bringing in a defensive, former defensive rookie of the year in Sheldon Richardson. You're bringing in a former offensive rookie of the year in Odell Beckham Jr. You slide an Olivier Vernon in here, and it's kind of like it's almost like wow, like it, there's not much to it. Like wow, it, there's names everywhere, and then you bring in a guy like him, and even Hunt, the player he is on the field, but on the defensive side, and obviously you know, and, and here's where it gets a little tricky because. You have Christian Kirksey, who makes a ton of money. You have Joe Schobert, who should be in line for some sort of future contract here. And then it's a couple of rookies. It's interesting how the linebacker spot's going to play out because we all know what Joe's capable of, and Joe's kind of like the linchpin of this all. So it's going to be interesting how he's valued and whether or not they're going to cut that check because we've talked with guys on the offense, whether it was a Zeitler, sorry, Kevin had you on the show. You got you moved. Um, and obviously Joe's been on and even Joel Batonio said, look, you need those guys on both sides of the ball that everybody rally around. And these guys will always tell you that about Joe and everybody kind of looks over and his commitment to his craft is off the charts is if Joe can be resigned within reason, is that a must have for you? It is for me, yeah. I, I really like Joe Schobert, so I think this is critical both in terms of sort of in a last piece of the puzzle type of way on the field, and also, as you mentioned, you know, there's somebody who has an incredibly good reputation for being kind of the, the lightning rod who everybody rallies around, the guy who's sort of a, I guess, I don't know if I would say leader of the unit, but somebody who kind of brings everybody together. I think he's really important for that. And I also think that, yeah, he's going to want to be paid, and he's going to want to be paid fair market value for, you know, however we assess his skill level. But I don't think it's going to be terribly unreasonable. We're going to have some wonky stuff coming up with contracts because of that CBA that's going to come due potentially in the middle of a lot of these deals, depending on the length of them. So there's going to be a lot of weird stuff going on with financing. Anyway, uh, to me, I, I know they're going to have a little bit of a logjam in terms of people coming due for contracts and, and what do you do after 2020, and you're going to have this long list of people who are all going to want to get paid. And in a perfect world, most of them, you probably would say yes, pay them, but he would be near the top of my list in terms of those guys who are going to come due soon for somebody that I would want to get a deal done with. And the thing with Joe, and this is what most people don't understand, and when me and Pete harp on this is, He's probably going to go out and put together another 100-tackle season this year. He's going to cover. Everybody asked him to cover. And you paid him nothing as a fourth-round pick for four years. You paid him peanuts. So, look, you got in for free to the club. But, look, you're now going to have to pay to feed him and, you know, pay for his drinks. I mean, you know, eventually you have to pay the piper and, you know, and look, Taki Taki seems like he's going to be a fantastic player. Mac Wilson, I have no guarantees on a fifth rounder now making the Cleveland Browns. As weird as it seems to say that, you're guaranteed nothing if you're drafted in the fifth round right now by the Cleveland Browns as deep as their roster is. Christian Kirksey, his money should be Joe's, unless Christian mm-hmm. just finds a, a, a absolute fountain of youth and health. 
So it, it makes for a very, very interesting demographic in the way it's all going to work out with the linebacker unit. But and and Joe and you just and it and. Joe's agency and his team can say, well, you were 7-5-1 with him last year. You were 0-3 without him. You tell us how much he means to that team. Uh, we'll get to a couple more here with Samantha, but I do want to thank uh, the uh, Grip 6 Belt Company uh, you know, for the sponsorship of the pod here. Um, their goal is literally to make the best belt that has ever been made. Grip 6 is an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, grandpas. Hint, hint. Father's Day, a few days away, guys. Always make simple. Put it in there with a couple of T-shirts, them silly ones, number one dad or whatever it is. Throw a couple of things, uh, other things in there. Uh, also now for wives, aunts, sisters, they do have a women's line now. Uh, ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the waist, making the belt super comfortable. Grip 6 is the only belt with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. Grip6 has a special offer for you at grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. Thanks, as always, to the folks over at Grip6. Samantha, you're Indians. What's going on, hon? Oh. Uh, where to begin? Where to begin? Well, they have two of the five... <laughs> uh, original starters from the rotation left after a horrific spate of injuries. That would be one piece of it, but that would, I think that's sort of kind of getting a little bit farther down the road um, than where we really need to go back to to understand where this problem stems from, and it is obviously about money, and I hate that, and I hate that it's true, and in a perfect world, you could be a I don't want to say cash poor team because they have cash. They just won't spend it. But let's say burdened with an unfortunately uber frugal ownership group um, or single owner, as it were. But they sort of, I guess, the sell-off this offseason, which we were all, I don't want to say expecting, but hoping would turn into cash that would then be put back into payroll um, to go ahead and get somebody else to come in didn't materialize. Um, they gave away a lot of assets. They didn't bring any in. They were already a team which had, in its previous iteration, washed out pretty badly in the first round. And they didn't make any progress. And when you put that together, just the fact that they had kind of their, their hands tied and then the few sort of long-shot project type of contracts that they gave out in the off-season did not work out very well. I mean, Carlos Gonzalez, obviously, was the big one, hoping he would turn into something, and he ended up getting BFA'd. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's bad. And when you put that together with the fact that the, the Minnesota Twins have been playing incredibly good baseball, and that's a huge piece of this. If the Twins were playing the way that the Twins played last year, the Indians would be fine right now. They would be hovering a few games outside of first. They would ultimately play their way into first place. And I, while I don't think Minnesota can sustain the pace that they're currently on, they are so far ahead right now that it's a very, very difficult hold to dig out of, especially when the injury situation the pitching staff just gets worse and worse all the time. And you know, it's it's very similar to the Mets, and it's like you can't you can't half-ass it and say you know we only need to do this to be in it. And when you're, you know, and look, the, the Twins, obviously a lot of credit to what they've done. Obviously a lot of it, you know, through the farm system and developing players. But you can't, you're either all in or you're rebuilding. And so you can't, and I can tell by seeing all these, you know, fa- fans where I see the pictures on Twitter. And it's, here, here's the crowd today at the Indians game. And it kind of almost looks similar to the Major League movie. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's heartbreaking to me. It's somebody who kind of grew up in that area where that era where it was impossible to get a ticket where, you know, you were lucky if you, if you didn't have season tickets. You only got to go a couple of times a year because every game was sold out. So it's really, really crushing to see those photos. And there's a part of me that thinks that, you know, if you love the team and you love them for better or for worse, and I'm one of those people who would probably watch the Indians lose 162 games and <laughs> wouldn't matter to me. I'd be mad, but I'd keep watching. But I don't realistically expect fans to do that. And it, to me, too, it's, and this is where I think the Dolans are, are not understanding how this works, is that it's not actually about losing. That's not why people aren't showing up. People aren't showing up because you have effectively made a commitment to losing by refusing to spend any money. And like you said, you, you can't go halfway on a, are you rebuilding or are you competing? And sometimes you can get away with it on your way up, where you're a team that's a little bit ahead of schedule in your rebuild and you're competitive, but you don't want to buy yet because you know you're not quite there, sure. But this is the back half of the competitive window for the cycle that the Indians are in now. But it's a, still got a couple of years left in it. But you can willfully shrink that window if you don't make any effort towards getting better. And in this case, it's, it's horrifying that they actually made some concerted efforts towards getting worse, effectively, by cutting salary, by letting go of a number of players. And it's, it's hard to, and this is, I'm sure, by design, pin down a single one of them who you, oh, if we only had that guy back, if only we'd re-signed Andrew Miller, if only we still had Edwin Encarnacion, if only we had kept on Gomes instead of Roberto Perez. None of those things really play in terms of where they're at right now, but when you look at them collectively, you understand how this team has taken so many steps back, and then again, when you put that together with Minnesota being way ahead of schedule in terms of their own competitive cycle, it's just not much you can do, and it's incredibly frustrating to be in this right now. Ah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, Samantha, what's the latest over at NBCSports.com? What's, you know, what are you working on? What are you guys working towards, uh, towards the 2019 season? Well, we're in the relatively ball as well. So that's been our kind of off-season project there. Other than that, we are just getting ourselves ready. Sunday night football, another season. Can't wait to get started. Yeah, and like, and for us and all that do this, it's like we're trying to explain to everybody what our summer is. Our summer is basically mm-hmm. to the 4th of July. After that, yeah. it's over. It's you know, then it's all guns a blazing because you're getting everything prepped because training camp is coming, and before you know that, you're playing games that don't necessarily matter, but players are playing come August. Oh yeah, we have this sort of you know, you get your brief respite right after the Super Bowl for like a week or two, but then you're immediately moving into free agency into draft time, and then there's that small lull in there between the draft and. 4th of July, essentially, where you really truly feel like you're getting a break. But after that, it's right back to business. <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, guys, always want to thank uh, Samantha for her time. Uh, check out everything over at NBCSports.com. Make sure you're following her at Samantha Bunton. Um, always appreciative. And bef- before we put a bow on this, how's the little one doing, Samantha? He's good. He's good. He just started soccer again. And last, he's only two, but he did he was asked not to come back during the fall soccer season because he had some issues with teamwork and most specifically picking up the ball and taking off with it and then refusing to chip it back. So maybe maybe you're raising a running back. You're not raising a fullback. <laughs> I, apparently. Apparently so. Or maybe it's somebody who's going to be more suited to individual sports. But, uh, you know, we did make it through the first soccer game of the season yesterday, and he has not been thrown out of the league yet, so we're going to call that a win for now. <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. You know, hey, look at sometimes you look at the sometimes the incorrigible ones, it's better when that comes out early. Um right. and, and like as I used to tell my wife is and she'd be like, uh, you know, and I you know, my daughter obviously, you know, uh she is my store defensive player and she's like, uh she just pushed that girl to the ground and you know, I do you would you rather her be the kid who was pushed to the ground? And she's like, well, no. I was like, well, go back, just step back, and I'll take care of this. And you can go home and make her cookies and all that stuff. But if she's out here and she's going to be the physical one, I'm totally okay with that. I'm more than okay with that. (laughs) That's where we've had trouble with it, too. We're looking at it going, I'm kind of proud. Like, I mean, look how he's taking charge of this situation. (laughs) Of course. Better that than the kid that like lays on the grass crying and picking flowers, right? So exactly, trying to raise a competitor can dial him back. Yes, you know you don't want to raise if you're going modern family. You don't want to raise a manny where oh look, there's a penny on the field. Oh look at that. No, you don't want to raise that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, always, guys, as I uh, appreciate Samantha and her time, the Lockdown Browns Twitter account is always a follow-back account. Uh, me, personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, like I said, guys, we, ha- we have the flexibility here where we can mix things up. Um, you're still going to get a bunch from me and Pete. We've actually landed a couple of guests here where we can integrate, you know, former players, what they're doing now, and and. and all, all a bunch of stuff we can blend together here. I'm just going to continue to try to put out the best content we can, we can for you guys here before it's you know time to actually you know, talk about legit football things, which will be over before you know it. Because look, once you get to summer, those days they literally they fly off the calendar faster than any other days, without question. Uh, so this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns. Thank you, Sam. <laughs>